Welcome to My Ed Expert, specializing in what's possible in education. By merging research, practice, and passion, we provide insights from top educational thought leaders for right now implementation. Now, here's your host, author Susie Pepper Rollins. I am super glad that you are joining us today because I have seriously the coolest guest on the planet. He's an award-winning filmmaker, Mark Smolowitz. Uh, he's been involved in the creation of over 50 films. He's developing this thought-provoking documentary on giftedness that he's been working on for a while. So that's why I've invited Mark on board. This film focuses on some of the myths of giftedness, some questions about who's included in the gifted programs, who's not. And I'll tell you, the treasure for me in watching a lot of these stories that he's posted, I'm going to share with you how to find those, is really what's possible for our gifted kids. I get goosebumps there watching these videos about these gifted kids, some of them. And, you know, we don't think of them as being vulnerable, but many times they are quite fragile. So these stories that he talks about, about the challenges they're facing, and he highlights one of these schools. I'm super pumped that he's here. Hey, Mark, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you for that lovely and enthusiastic introduction. It's great to be here. Well, anything with kids gets me excited. I'm telling you that. So Mark is not an educator, which is kind of different for us on our podcast, but he's doing this great work that touches us. So the first thing Mm -hmm. I want to know is, Mark, how did you get captivated by this world of gifted education and giftedness and and devote so much of your time, your resources, your talents to this project? Well, that's a great question. Um, So, you know, the, the sort of you know, interesting piece is that, you know, some movies come together, come together very quickly, right? And other movies take longer to develop, um, in part because we're sort of finding the stories, right? And, and the G word is actually one of, one of the, one of the latter. It's, it's taken me some time to really, you know, figure out what this movie is about. Um, the very first emails in my inbox about the G words go back to 2012. Um, which is seven years, you know, seven years of, of, you know, a journey that has been amazing and inspiring and um, is going to result in the kind of movie that I think will matter for the mainstream, which was really the goal here. Um, you know, in 2012, I was reached out, uh, reached out uh, by Ron Triello, the gentleman who is my, one up being my producer on this film. Um, and Ron is someone who had been a past supporter of my earlier work. And he reached out to me um, because he was interested in writing a book that would be about giftedness that was sort of responding to some of the challenges that he was noticing for his own kids who were profoundly gifted kids in a school here in Silicon Valley called Helios. And the fact that a lot of those similar challenges, which were largely social emotional, were kind of unfolding across families, right? So he was seeing some common experience um, in, you know, among the kids and the parents and the families that were all at Helios. And when he reached out to me, it immediately piqued my interest because I remembered being that gifted kid in the 1970s who went to a great public school and who was in a gifted pullout program called Gifted Day and what that felt like. And it, you know, it was a huge piece of, you know, my younger self and how I formed my identity around, you know, being proud that I was smart and that I was good in school. And I had always loved school. School was a major major place of, of success and empowerment for me. But I also knew that it wasn't. And I, re- you know, I remembered two types of kids in those gifted classrooms in the seventies and, you know, 
you know, as plain as day, it was clear that there were some gifted kids who were popular and successful and high achieving. And there were some gifted kids who were unpopular and were targeted for being smart and often bullied because they didn't fit any kind of mainstream definition of success, at least not at that stage of their childhoods. And I always felt great empathy for those other children. And I always stood up for them and I always kind of be like, you know, fight for them and, you know, be their ally. And, you know, that sense of social justice and fairness was really very early in my DNA um, as a young person. And, and anyway, long story short, having, you know, having those memories, I started to look out into the world and I saw that there really hadn't been a film about giftedness, at least not one that was substantial, that had been widely seen or was very comprehensive. And so I looked, I, you know, I thought, well, here's an opportunity, right? There, you know, there's never been a movie. I have some personal, you know, background on this topic. Maybe I'm the right person to at least begin exploring, you know, what this movie could look like. Um, and it took some time to kind of figure out, you know, what we were doing. But, you know, by about 2015, I had spent quite a long time doing deep dives, you know, research, you know, reading every book I could possibly find, and also talking with people and building relationships with key stakeholders, nonprofits, schools, educators, you know, really, really, you know, creating that important network of supports and, and engaged people who understood, you know, where we were coming from as a movie. Um, because I've, I, you, know, you can't just show up and say, hi, I'm making the gifted movie and pay attention to me because I'm a filmmaker. That's just not the way, it's not the way that this works very well for, you know, um, in general, right? What you have to do is you have to show up and be well researched, ready to ask good questions that are thoughtful. And, and really my job is to be an expert on every topic that I make a movie on, right? I need to be able to sit across from all different kinds of folks and, you know, and the way I describe it is like when I'm interviewing someone, like you don't want me looking at a clipboard. You know, I mean, I'm not checking my notes because I don't know what to say next. I need to be able to be clear, concise, cogent, confident, and ready to have dialogue. And and by 2015, I felt that way. And so we really launched the movie in a vibrant way in front of the public. And and it's been a you know amazing journey ever since. Um, and then ultimately, you know, I landed on a kind of key question, which was the question, who gets to be gifted in America and why in the 21st century? And, and that's, that's been the driving inquiry of the movie for, um, for the last couple of years. Well, that's really interesting. And I know you realize that one of the attributes of giftedness is often this quest for social justice. So the, the fact that you are in gifted and trying to get social justice for other gifted kids is kind of interesting to me right there. One thing I noticed in looking at, uh, and I'm going to send everybody, you know, links and all this kind of stuff of where to, where to watch these wonderful videos that you've posted. Um, mm-hmm. one thing that I saw is, is really we still have persistent myths about what giftedness is. You know, we think, I don't know what, what everyone thinks, but I know there are a lot of people who still think these are the kids who have it on easy street. You know, they make straight A's and many right. times that is the op, the opposite. They, they may not even be driven by grades. Uh, we think of the Matt Damon movie, Goodwill Hunting, where he's, you know, figuring out these math problems on the chalkboard at MIT. Um, right. but, but sometimes, and I, I think we all need to remember, sometimes they're quite fragile. Can you talk a little bit about, what you've seen doing this so far about how the myths are maybe perpetuated or how they're different, how it's different, or just, just give us a little bit on what you've learned there. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, this is, you know, in my view, like actually the kernel of the nut right there. I mean, I think that, you know, there's a lot of myths and misconceptions about, you know, what giftedness even looks like, what it sounds like, what it behaves like. 
Um, you know, one of the things I talk about is how, you know, when mainstream notions of gifted look like white men um, who are successful and, and, you know, the images that come to mind are Elon Musk and Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg and Steve Jobs. And, and, you know, these are the men that are, you know, are changing the way we live. Right. And, this movie really contemplates that that gifted may not look exactly like that, and oftentimes, you know, can look very diverse and 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 also have a different kind of story altogether. Um, when we launched our movie online, meaning we had a website and a social media presence, and you know, we had good mailing lists to get the word out that we were making the G word. Um, that week, that first week of going live was was really powerful and really indicative of, of your question. So. We, we put out there our first video and we had, uh, you know, no joke, more than 13,000 views in one week wow. and shared 500 times and unbelievable, you know, meaningful dialogue in the comments that was mind blowing. Um, then we started seeing an unprecedented amount of newsletter signups off of our website um, in the first week. And then we started receiving unsolicited emails to the film's Gmail address from all over the world. Like from as far away as Singapore and Switzerland, we were having, you know, very, very powerful emails from parents who were struggling with their gifted child. Um, sometimes testimonies that would literally go on for hundreds and hundreds of words that would take me, you know, quite a long time to read and sit through and, and often brought me to tears, you know, and, and because these parents are, are dealing with, with so many challenges where the schools don't understand them, the other parents don't understand them, you know, it, it really, it really is sort of a fulcrum of misunderstanding. Right. And, you know, those parents really became my, my signpost for why I'm making this movie. Um, if we can create a movie that is more comprehensive of what the gifted experience looks like, that honors that there are people of all ages who are gifted, who have darker, difficult you know, narratives unfolding in their life story, um, we probably will help those people um, find the supports that they need, right? Whether they're parents or, or children or adults, it's, you know, it, it, there's clearly a darker narrative in gifted and talented education that we have to think about. Um, you know, there's, there's evidence of drug addiction, suicidal ideation, self-harm, really, really tough stuff that, that is really associated with, a, you know, with the gifted person's intelligence. And with their intelligence comes a deep sensitivity to the challenges that are, you know, are in front of us, you know, as a planet. Um, they have incredible sensitivity to those challenges and it manifests in often, you know, very, very dark ways. Add in the bullying quotient because, you know, that's, you know, very real as well. And it can be very, very difficult. Add in other aspects of identity like race or gender or poverty or, you know, growing up in rural America where there are, you know, limited resources for gifted and talented young people. Like it really can become a laundry list of, of things that can go wrong, right? Um, now the movie that we're making will, will share those stories. It will put a face on those difficult narratives, but it will also focus on hope. <laughs> it will also focus on solutions and it will also focus on the incredibly, um, empowered community around these people. Um, so, you know, folks who are struggling, you know, thank goodness we have people around them who want to help, right? So the gifted community, if we can call it that, is full of people like yourself who are passionate about, you know, getting the word out, getting on record with, you know, with what, what is more accurate, fair, and, and really reasonable representation of this, of this kind of experience. 
Absolutely. And one thing I was, and this is what I want every teacher to see, every educator to see, every parent to see is the, when you focus on the school called the Big Minds School, I mm-hmm. believe that's what it was called. And, and this is a real uh, issue that I talk about quite a bit it are the kids who are twice exceptional, call, sometimes called right. PUE. Some places call them dual served. There are different names around the country, but these are students who are, have, are identified as gifted, but are also identified as having something else. It might be ADHD. It might be dyslexia. Alexia, it might be something else that's going on. I was moved by this video. Can you tell us a little bit about the Big Mind School and the kind of work they're doing? Absolutely. So, so you know, early on, I met an amazing woman. Her name is Melanie Hayes, and she is the founder of the Big Mind School, which is located here in the Bay Area in a town called Pinole. It's a small micro school, um, about 26 kids. And, you know, it's for a lot of these kids, it is, it's sort of the last stop. Like nothing else has worked for them, right? Their parents have really, you know, struggled. They've been in public schools, in, you know, in lots of other sorts of settings where they've tried to get their, their needs met for their child and, and they landed big minds. And it's really the last stop for a lot of them. Um, as you see in the video, um, her co-director Judy at the school talks about how for many of these young kids, this is the first time that they've actually been in an environment that where they actually are making friendships. Um, this is key, right? If you, you know, so much of what happens in school is about social, social training, social interaction, learning how to work in groups and, and move through your day in ways that, that, you know, cultivate our abilities as, you know, when it comes to things like soft skills, right? As much as intellectual skills, right? And that's a huge part of learning. Well, the twice exceptional child, all of their soft skills are going to be, um, you know, quote unquote, at a deficit, right? Because of these other things like ADHD or visual spatial ch- uh, learning challenges or dysgraphia or, um, you know, whatever it might, might look like that makes it really hard for them to function in a traditional classroom environment. Big Minds removes any of that other stuff and says, we're going to focus on both in this school. And the way that Melanie describes it, she's like, it's almost like a preschool for big kids. You know, it, it allows the child to sort of put some structure on on their own day. You know, they're very innovative in how they, they play with curriculum and personalizing it for the students. The, the teacher ratio is impressive and needs to be to help these kids be successful. And what I really leaned into in this story is not, I know for a fact that we cannot have big mind schools everywhere. Like it's just not an affordable model. But what I did learn from spending substantial time with the team, with the children and with the parents is that there are aspects of things that go on at big minds that are actually quite scalable and can work in other school settings. So this is why I decided to focus on Big Minds and showcase it, even though the price point for Big Minds may be a challenge to you know most families. Although I will say that Melanie is very committed to having several scholarship um, slots in her school every year, and she fundraises for those. The thing that is unique about Big Minds is that it comes from the 2E experience. So Melanie herself was a mom who became an advocate for her kids who were twice exceptional. And in that process became an advocate for other families with children who were similar. And what started as kind of like a collective homeschooling experiment scaled into an actual school and, you know, is a pretty remarkably successful school um, given, you know, given their charge. Right. And it's um, what's interesting. I'll, I'll tell you, Susie, is that so 
Big Minds kind of started as the character in the movie. <laughs> like, I thought I was telling the story of the school, but guess what? I actually was telling the story of Melanie and her family and her, her two kids. So the school becomes a pathway into really understanding her journey. Um, and, and I'm really interested in that journey, that journey of the, of the mom and sometimes the dad, but often the mom who has an epiphany that, that there are no schools out there that are really going to meet the needs of, of their child. Um, and that they have to figure it out on their own. And through that process, their identity changes. They not, they're not just a mom. They become an educator, an advocate, and then an advocate for others. And in Melanie's case, it's now her life's mission to improve the situation for chewy people around the world. And she's doing that. I would love for everybody to see that piece of it. The, you know, the thing we try to do, obviously, I mean, I've been, I'm a, I'm a public educator is we try to really uncover and tap into children's strengths, but to try to support those deficits. And with, with two E kids, you know, there, there's a lot of, of, of both of those have to happen. And sometimes it's hard to, to, to discover what's going on with the child because sometimes those other components, like the ADHD component, for example, will mask some of the giftedness, you know, because, exactly. because in a, in a classroom with 30 students, you know, that student may be on our radar because he's boarding out answers or she's doing this when reality that, you know, it, it just gets complicated. And I just have always, I'm so delighted that they're advocating for these two E kids because I just feel like we need to have a much bigger focus on those. All right. So I'm not going to get off my high horse there. All right. Good high horse. Well, good high horse. I'm on a lot of those high horses. <laughs> anyway, we got, okay. So you, t- you feature and everybody knows who's, who Van Jones is. He's a CNN commentator. Um, right. and you have some other big wigs on there too. He, I was moved by this because it's a lot of the work I'm researching right now kind of crossed into that. He was talking about, he worked in the Obama White House, but he was saying how he'd been, he'd, he'd been in prisons and no, he wasn't in prison. Let me make that clear, but he was working with prisoners and getting to know them. And he talks about how smart all these, a lot of these prisoners are and how they're a lot smarter than people in politics, which that won't come to a shock for us. But what, what did you take from that whole story of what he was talking about? And that's one of the videos on there too about, about that experience. Do we have, well, I don't want to speak for you. You go ahead and tell us about that. Oh, of course. Um, so, you know, early on, you know, when I started making this movie, I was, you know, you know, when I spent time with Ron and his kids at Helios, you know, I was, you know, I was very moved and there was clearly a lot of there, there in the stories I was and the families I was encountering at Helios. And I, I you know, was really sense of the fact that, wow, these are very real challenges that are being faced by, you know, very affluent families. Okay. So this is a private school in Silicon Valley. There was, you know, real money in the bank, you know, makes these schools, you know, happen. Right. And so I thought to myself, well, if this is happening in the wealthy families, what happens when you, you know, take out the resources, right? Mm-hmm. So if, so what happens when you move over to our poorer school districts? So I immediately started to, you know, kind of do research and look into that question by um, going and talking to people who worked um, here in Oakland, in the Bay Area, which is the city across, you know, from San Francisco on the other side of the Bay. Um, it's a um, largely African-American city. It is our Bay Area African-American city. Um, and, you know, there are lots of, you know, in- income inequality challenges in play and other challenges that, that you know, come with being African-American in, in a major city. And so I would ask the question and I would get pretty much an answer like, you can't ask us about giftedness here because all we're dealing with is the detention to prison pipeline. And I kept hearing that phrase again and again, detention to prison pipeline, detention to prison pipeline. We're not going to talk to you about gifted because we're focused on, on much bigger things. 
And I thought, detention to prison pipeline? Well, let me go talk to the prisons and see what they think about all this. And so I actually started talking to the prisons and was, you know, reaffirming again and again that people who work inside mental health in the, in, in the prisons and people who are part of innovative programs inside prisons that help prisoners, you know, like improve themselves are encountering giftedness, you know, all the time. Um, and that it looks like, you know, it, it really registers as, as, you know, intelligence and that you are, that's impressive and even, you know, and creativity that's also impressive. And so to put it a different way, like, you know, if you look at like a drug dealer, you know, like much of the work that they, that they did was in cash. You know, you got to be pretty smart to like deal with all those numbers and all those bills and all those things, you know, like, you know, in your head. Right. Um, or they're chemists because they're making drugs. Right. You know, these these gentlemen are, you know, extremely smart, you know, and that was, you know, and I kept hearing that time and time again. And so I thought, OK, well, what's my way into the prisons and how are we going to sort of ask ourselves, are there gifted people in prisons? And if so, how do they get there? And, you know, what sort of societal loss is in play um, with all these people who are incarcerated that maybe some of our best and brightest, but just because they happen to be black and brown or, you know, or whatever, you know, we, um, we didn't, you know, we didn't sort of support them to, to reach their potential. And ultimately what, what this comes down to is that this was a black boy who, you know, misbehaved in class, right? And when the black boy misbehaves in class because they're bored and they're smart, they get, they get thrown into detention. And there's only so often you're going to get sort of, you know, demonized and punished until you become beaten up and you become a part of that detention to prison pipeline narrative, right? Whereas if that white student so often, you know, the other narrative unfolds where they get to misbehave in class and they don't go to detention as much. And, and those are very, very real dynamics. Van Jones was one of the people in this kind of broader conversation who was who was really looking at these dynamics in ways that I felt would be useful for the movie. Um, we, we have stories inside of the prison, which um, you've not seen videos of that yet, but eventually that will be in the film. And it's a, a big part of the story that we're looking at. And what it comes down to me, what it comes down to for me is that what I wanted to do with the G word is I wanted to have three kinds of things appearing in the film. I wanted powerful stories that were unexpected about giftedness. So we are set in, in urban, suburban and rural districts, and we are encountering giftedness across this great nation in places that you would not expect. Okay. So prisons are in that category, right? We have a story at the U S Mexico border. We have a story on a native American reservation at a tribal school. We have stories in places and spaces where you would not expect to encounter the gifted person. Right. But I also wanted to have two types of um, what I'll call experts on camera to think about these issues in a big and powerful national way. One is the gifted community leadership. Right. And in the gifted world, there are you know established voices and emerging voices. And you're going to encounter both of those in our movie. Um, it was very important to me that, you know, we showcase the fact that this is not a new conversation. Gifted and talented you know, education has been you know, a part of the education narrative in this country since the 1950s, right? When, you know, when we were in the space race and we were funneling more money into public education than we ever have in this country because there was, there was an urgency, right? We had to, we had to get into space and on the moon before the Russians, right? Or before the Soviets. You know, so that narrative, that history of giftedness, if you will, is very much in the movie and represented by all the experts that we need to hear from who can tell, help us tell that story. 
with Van Jones and with other people that you're going to encounter in this film, it's not necessarily because these people are part of the gifted world. They're rather, they are thought leaders who are helping scale these important discussions into a much more, I think, sort of sweeping discussion about who do we value in this country? Um, do we value our smartest people? Are we willing to do the work to find them where they reside? You know, it shouldn't be that just because you happen to be born in the wrong zip code on the wrong side of town, that you don't get to be tested for giftedness or that you're, or you're, or, or we don't even get to contemplate that you might be gifted. You know, so that's, that's really the sort of gestalt around this movie is broadening how we even think about this area of education, how it's much more about intelligence and who do we get to value in this country. Now, that's really a big topic. And uh, one thing, uh, Todd Stanley is someone I've talked to quite a bit on, on gifted education, and he has mm -hmm. uh, a patchwork quilt map that he uses that shows in the United States, the different states and what they're doing. And mm -hmm. I, I was unaware until I had this conversation with him that some states, because I live in a state that's very a big, a strong gifted education state. He, he's been to states where they literally have no gifted education program at all. So we're running the gamut across this country. So some of yeah. it's even which state you're living in. Um, oh, and, the, and, and here's one thing that I wanted to toss out at you. And I don't know if you've ever done any thinking on this, but this is something that I've heard from other people. I don't know the answer to this. So I'm going to ask you, you know, in, in federal programs like special education, we are, we have federal mandates on that. You know, that child's going to get an IEP. Um, gifted education is not like that. It, it is up to states largely. Based on what you've learned, where you are now, and you can pass on this question if, if you want to. Do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, should this be sort of a federal thing? Yeah, this is a great question, Susie. This is actually a big part of the movie. So so what what has happened is that um, Gifted has become local. Gifted is local, okay? It is really the purview of the states, but more to the point, it is the purview of the municipality or the county um, or the district, or even to be more specific, the purview of the principal, okay? And it's these kind of different level of local gatekeepers who actually make a lot of the decisions around how um, how gifted and talented gets implemented at the level of the, um, the level of a specific student um, in a particular school. Um, and, you know, there is federal education policy that addresses this stuff, but it is not being done in a way that really affects things at the local level. There's such a sort of disparity between kind of what our the Department of Education is doing on these issues, you know, at the national federal level versus what needs to happen at the state level. So, so I, I, I mean, I wish there was more money coming out of the, you know, about out of the education office, you know, on the, at the national level to help address all these things. Um, that is a huge policy question that this movie, you know, in of itself can't solve. I mean, we'd like to, we'd like to help steer those national discussions as part of our releasing strategy and really have like community screenings everywhere where we, where we can engage like the gifted as local narrative in the context of the biggest, the bigger national question of can this be something that the nation, you know, as, as a, as a, as a country supports. But the, um, it's very, very hard to change, um, education policy at the federal level. Um, people can actually affect things locally. You can show up at your, you know, your uh, school board meeting. You can speak during public comment. You can ask the tough questions in front of your school board. And that's a place where, where parents and families and citizens can actually make a difference if they want to have these conversations. 
So we are showcasing lots and lots of local stories because, um, and that, and through that way of showcasing local stories, we're getting a national picture, right? So it's, um, it's a really tough, tough dilemma. Um, I mean, the movie will have a lot of background on the laws. You know, there's been laws that were written as far back as the 60s and 70s, Susie, that still affect the average child's public school day in this country. How can that really make sense, right? When we, you know, we need to really, you know, be looking at how are our laws with respect to education in this country really reflecting 21st century daily experience, Absolutely. Um, but Mark, I'm going to interrupt you because I'm going to forget to do this. I, people are going to hear this and want to know how to find you. So I want to be sure I mention this. Your Twitter, make, make sure I'm right, is at the G word film. Your yes, website, yes. Oh, right? And yes. your website is the G word film.com, correct? Correct. Is there another place you want people to go? We're going to link up where to see these videos. Is there another thing you want to shout out on that? Sure. So, um, so the, the movie is also on Facebook and Instagram. And after this podcast goes live, I want to see lots of likes on Facebook and lots of followers on Twitter and Instagram. Um, we're actually really active on social and we're really trying to convene interesting and robust discussions on our social media channels. So that's a great way to stay, stay with us, follow our progress, but also join the conversation. So that's, that, that's, that's a great thing. Um, all the videos that we're making, um, along the way are actually on my, my, um, my, filmmaker uh, Vimeo channel. So on Vimeo, if you search Mark Smolowitz, you know, my name on Vimeo, you will find these videos. And right now there are four available and there's going to be two more within a couple of weeks that we're finishing. And the reason why I make these videos, Susie, is that I, I really feel like it's important to develop these stories in front of the audience, in front of the public and get feedback along the way. Um, if I were heads down entirely while making a movie of this scale, that would serve no one. Right. So I really like to make these videos because it helps me develop the stories. It helps me figure out my visual style. It helps me figure out what are the emotional arc of these characters and, and where do I want to, you know, put my focus and my energy in terms of, you know, uh, developing, um, ways of answering that question, who gets to be gifted American? Why sharing these videos has been such a mutually, um, dynamic experience for me and my team, as well as for people who watch them. Um, there's been so much amazing dialogue. It's been really touching. Well, I, I love them. And one thing I wanted to ask you about, and, and I'm, I'm, it's okay for districts to share these, right? If they're having professional development or one of the, one of the show, the one about the big mind school, for example, they can share those videos, right? Absolutely. Please share the videos, screen the videos. Um, it's, you know, there's, um, a number of school districts have reached out to us and I've even, you know, I've joined, um, I've joined professional development conversations by Skype and Zoom. And so there are ways to, um, not just show the videos, but also engage us in that process. And we're actually really interested in those kinds of collaborations. Um, you know, part of what I do as a filmmaker is not just make the film, but create the enterprise around the movie. And for us, the enterprise around the G word documentary is really about impact and really about supporting all of you who care about these issues to use our film in important ways, you know, locally to educate and empower people. Um, so, you know, please, yes, screen the videos. They're there for, for people to use, but also reach out to us and let us know how we can be a part of that process for you and add value to it. Um, it we have a, a, a G, a, the G word at, the G word film at gmail.com is our direct email address. And, you know, people can find me. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, everywhere. It's, um, you know, I'm, I'm super responsive. And in fact, that's actually a big part of my job is, is, is when I hear from you is, you know, taking you, taking, you know, your, your ideas and thoughts into the mix 
and bringing them into this discussion. Um, this, this is, you know, I, I'll leave you with this. I mean, I, you know, there was so much amazing work in this field that was happening before I showed up. Okay. And so, you know, one thing I try to remind people and I remind myself is that the gifted world was thinking about equity before the G word started, you know, posing these questions. And there's been people who have been, you know, really, you know, asking these big questions for decades. And what I think is interesting is what, what, what is happening right now as we're on the cusp of the 2020s. I think the way that we relate to educating our children in this country is, is changing and changing fast. So much of what we, what we do and what we feel makes sense for families and for, for, for communities is, is, is increasingly personalized. And I think that as a consequence, you're going to see that public schools push, pushing themselves in that direction hard and fast because they want to remain relevant and they need to remain relevant. And we're going to be able to, you know, um, help all kinds of children um, in this century be successful. Absolutely. And there's a wonderful quote on your homepage, of your website, and it's from one of the founders of Gifted Education and uh, it's Hollingworth, right? Is that correct? And, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and here's the quote, to have the intelligence of an adult and emotions of a child combined in a childish body is to encounter certain difficulties. I mean, that really encapsulates what it can be like to be a gifted child who has the intelligence of an adult, but in a child's body with childlike emotions and, and why that can be a long day for them, you know? Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that quote. And then, and I encountered that quote fairly early on in this journey of my research and I, and her writing and her, her, you know, what she, you know, her contributions to early, early concepts of modern giftedness and the gifted child were really defining for us as a way into thinking about the history of how did we get to this moment, right? So a hundred years ago in the 1920s, Lita Hollingworth was doing this work. She was, you know, really a, quite the trailblazer. And so we'll be looking at people like her who were, you know, early on, you know, throughout the 20th century, like asking these tough questions and putting forward these ideas and these concepts. And yes, it, I mean, just, just, it's such a basic quote. And it makes so much sense. It's like, if you, you know, if you have a, like a whole cloth disconnect in how you, who you are and how you experience the world versus sort of emotionally kind of like your, your ability to make sense of that, isn't that going to be a challenge? And I think she nails it in that quote, which is why we decided to put it on our homepage because it really is the crux of the movie. Right. Well, I, I tell you, I've so, I, the time has just flown. I have, I have so many more questions for you, but I hope maybe we can connect down the road later on. What's the timeline for the film? Do you have something you can share with us on that? Absolutely. So we're hoping for, you know, 2020 completion and release. Okay. Um, so I have, um, we have some filming that we're going to be doing through the end of this summer. Um, we're kind of already beginning to map out our post-production plans. Once I'm done with like the full cinematography of all the stories, it'll take us about six to nine months to really edit the movie and put together all the moving parts. So we have these stories, but we're also going to have animations. We're also going to have archival material. So post-production will be a hugely intense, probably six to nine months. And I really want us to be out next year so we can really, you know, join the conversation around what are the 2020 is going to look like um, on this issue. So 2020. Okay, go. fantastic. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to us today. Mark, I just really enjoyed talking to you. Every week, we feature someone in the education world, a thought leader who can really help our students. And this has been wonderful. To every educator out there, thank you so much for everything you do every single day for your kids to light up their worlds. Join us every Wednesday for a brand new podcast. Thank you so much, Mark. Thank you, Susie. What a treat. Have a great day. Thank you. 
We are so glad you joined us on this episode of My Ed Expert. For more resources on the ever-evolving realm of education, head on over to myedexpert.com and get inspired by all of our author's work through downloads, strategies, and best practices. While you're there, hop on to get updates right to your inbox because you don't want to miss a thing right here on My Ed Expert. 